so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live and teach them to your children and to their children after them. As I read this, this passage in the book of Deuteronomy, I was fascinated by the phrase, the God, the God of your fathers, this, this, this phrase there. And uh, it challenged me, and I want to uh, pass along the challenge to you, especially to the dads in our congregation. But first, a little context. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, even though this is, this is at the beginning, it's actually at the end of a big and significant chapter in the history and the lives of the Israelites. Uh, this morning during first service, I mentioned that essentially theologians call this a valedictory speech. And you guys know, you've been to the graduations recently. Uh, a valedictorian is a person selected by the group to kind of speak on behalf of the group to put into perspective the years that were past, for us, high school or college, usually four years, but also to look forward to what's happening in the future. But this valedictory speech doesn't come after four years. It comes after 40 years. You see, the book of Deuteronomy, the first chapter, begins on the first day of the 11th month of the 40th year since they left Egypt in the great exodus. I want you to think about that, just refresh your memory for those of you guys that were here during our, our, our discussion on, 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 on Exodus and Deuteronomy, Leviticus there in between too. See, when the Israelites were under uh, slavery in Egypt, they cried out to God and after hundreds of years, God calls them out and he says, I'm going to take you first to my mountain, my holy mountain, where you're going to worship me. Let my people go. Remember that? Let my people go to worship me on my mountain, and then I'm going to take you across into the promised land, the land flowing with, come on, milk and honey, and you're going to take possession of it. It's going to be the promised land, Canaan. So the people believed in God where they were desperate. In slavery for hundreds of years, they believed in God, so they put that blood of the lamb on their door frames. The angel of death came at the end of the plagues, and then they left. Pharaoh said, go, get out of here, and they left. And literally, it was a few days' journey to the mountain where God would descend and he would give them the revelation of his character, the Ten Commandments is what we call. And then filled with that and emboldened by that, the presence of God and his glory surround them. They were supposed to march in, cross the river, and take possession of the new land. The problem is, what should have been a few days' journey, or maybe even a, a, a couple of weeks' journey, by the time they got to the edge of the river, they did not have the courage and the faith to cross over. In fact, you read this. The further they got from, from Egypt, the minute they encountered any kind of difficulty, they started whining and complaining. And they started looking backwards. So let me ask you, do you have anyone like that in your family? Now don't look at it right now. But do you have anyone in your, in your family who the moment... The moment you encounter a speed bump, they already start looking back and complaining. I see some of you are like, give me the. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I have three amazing kids. Um, my youngest is a note writer. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, anytime he wants to lodge a complaint, he writes a note. <laughs> Uh, he's fantastic. I love him. He's brings so much joy to my life. But um, he is what um, 
<laughs> he is what one comedian describes as a brittle spirit right now, <laughs> which means anytime any difficulty happens, <sighs> so it could be anything. It's too hot. I'm hungry. I, I just, uh, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> I opened my door. There was a sticky. What's for lunch? <laughs> uh, he just, he's a note writer, and I love him, uh, but he, he has a tendency to, to like, ah, is it time? Are we there yet? Uh, when is the, it's too hot, it's too cold, anything, you know, can I do this? No. So, so he would have per perfectly with the Israelites. <laughs> Because a few days journey towards the promised land, and they were ready to go back. And you know this because we've talked about it. They were ready to choose slavery over the promised land because of a little hunger and a little thirst and a little uncertainty. So it should have been a few days journey, maybe even a couple of weeks for sightseeing, turned into a 40-year spin around the desert. Forty years. Imagine that. And so what we have here in Deuteronomy is, is, is Moses is giving a valedictorian speech at the end of the 40 years as they have finally arrived at the same place they were 40 years ago. And this time they're encamped on this side of the river and they're looking across at Jericho and Moses is saying, okay, guys, now we've got to remember what just happened in these 40 years. So he's trying to capture the past, but he's looking forward and this is where he begins and he delivers this speech and as he speaks he says listen to these decrees remember these things that I'm going to teach you and show you because what he's doing right here is is in these two months which is how there's a long speech I know it takes about two months where Moses sort of retells if you read Deuteronomy he tells the story of everything that they went through all the things that they did including the time God came down and what he he like retells the whole thing before at the very end he says farewell and he propels them forward but the reason is because they had to spend 40 years in the desert until a generation died but what struck me here is as Moses says remember this when you left Egypt, God had promised you victory in the promised land. And you were supposed to just cross over. But your dads, the ones who received the promise, they didn't make it. See that phrase right there when he says, <clears throat> the God of your fathers is giving you. That phrase was supposed to be, and it is throughout the rest of the, the scriptures, a, a phrase of encouragement. It's something that allows you to connect to the, to, the, to the beautiful history of your past, and you're supposed to draw strength from that. In fact, most of our favorite biblical characters talk about God that way, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of our fathers, God of your father. They talk about that. They talk about the strength and the courage they received from the men that raised them and influenced them. Maybe it was a great-grandfather or, or someone in their past, but, but they talk about that. But this, this particular text right here, that phrase is actually... To me, an expression of disappointment. See, who's listening here at the end of 40 years is a new batch, probably young fathers. Because the entire generation had to spend 40 years in a desert until they died. They would not cross. God made that promise when they lacked faith the first time. You will not cross. Your children will take position, but you will not. That's why they spun around in the desert for 40 years. So when we get back to Deuteronomy, that phrase here is more of an indictment. Here's what I'm saying. 
The fathers that left Egypt were supposed to take possession, but they didn't. Because the faith of those fathers wasn't strong enough to live through just a few difficult circumstances. And now Moses stands again and he says, what kind of faith do you have? So I've been wrestling with that. And I've been asking myself, and I want to ask you, especially the men in our congregation, what's the faith that you got from your father? Maybe you are fortunate. Maybe your dad was present. Maybe your dad was available. Maybe your dad was a man of God who lived in a way that inspired you and, and, and that in whose footsteps you're following today. But maybe he's not, or he wasn't. Maybe, like many of us, you have a different story about your father. Maybe, sadly, your dad wasn't there for you. Maybe you don't know him. Here's what we know. Research tells us that the presence of a father, an active presence, makes a big difference in a child's stability and their well-being as they grow up. And anecdotal reference tells you that how your father was and who he was and the manner in which he carried himself has a big effect on who you think you are as a man and eventually as a father. See, this happens anecdotally. You can just check for yourself. Sometimes consciously or unconsciously, we either, us men, we usually tend to try to be the opposite of our fathers or we just become them. Sometimes, even when we don't want to. I was telling first service today, I have become the, the, the light police in my house where I'm running around after people, scolding them for not turning off the lights. And I used to hate when my dad did that to me. I was like, I'll never do that. You can charge up the electricity, but I have become my father. <laughs> you know, complete with the, who do, what do you think we are, made of money? You know, that kind of stuff. I don't know what your dad said to you. Um, because, because dads leave an imprint and, and, and when Moses speaks here, that's kind of the question that I think came to my mind that I want to pass on to you. What imprint have you received? When he says the God of your fathers, intention here was that they were supposed to lead their families into a new chapter. They left slavery and they were supposed to lead them into freedom, into a new a nation, into a new reality. But they did not. And now Moses says, but you have a chance. You have a chance. As we read this passage, Moses sort of sets the stage, and, and, and he points forward to this purpose. He says, obey these laws and decrees so that you may go in and take possession of the land. What's true for them is also true for us, men and women, families here in the church. We are chosen by God to take his wisdom and his blessing and to move into our communities and change them. In the Old Testament, they were supposed to come into Canaan not solely to destroy everyone there, but to raise up a banner of God amongst the people of Canaan. God was going to give them some territory and some land, but he wasn't going to allow them to destroy everyone. He was, meant, he was meant to elevate them so that they would draw others to know and love and honor God. It's what Moses says here. He says, uh, understand that this is our job. We are amb ambassadors. We're supposed to go in and take position. And the same is true for us today. 
I want you to listen to me carefully. Some of us think that we're just supposed to live our spiritual lives sort of, you know, in hiding, and our goal is just to get to heaven. But that is not our purpose. Our purpose is to do what they were meant to do in our context. Maybe we don't do it, you know, organizationally as a big nation, but, but personally, with your family and in your own sphere, you're supposed to be an ambassador, a light for Christ, salt of the earth, a, a light that's not hidden. And we're supposed to light the world and season the earth we are supposed to change the world by being influencers where we are. That's still true for you today. So as Moses looks out and he says, you're about to become an influencer, particularly if you're a dad. And he says, he's asking, what have you received? See, I think that some of us were fortunate. I've had two dads in my life, one my biological father and one my adoptive father. And I'm just going to be honest with you about them both. My biological father, I have great memories of him, but the truth is I only knew him for, for 10 years. He died when I was about 10. And there's some things I love about my dad. His name was Benjamin. <laughs> uh, some things I love about my dad. He, uh, he was warm. I could hug him. You know, he was, uh, he was just embraceable. He used to uh, rub his beard stubble on my face before he left for work. I, I, I loved about that. He would sometimes take me on a, on a special trip, just me and him, to get a drink or something like that. You know, I loved that. He would sneak me into restaurants, things like uh, Some things my dad did special for me. I loved that. But there's some other things that I didn't learn from my dad. He was a pastor, uh, and it meant he was, he was gone a lot. I didn't know this so much as a kid, but as an adult, I realized how, how hard it was for my mother. Because my dad ministered a lot away from home, but not always at home. Um, he, he died before I sort of saw the full spectrum of that effect. And so while he left one great example here, he didn't leave a great example here. And, and I'll just be honest with you. I wrestled with the faith that I received from my father. I'm grateful, though, that before I was 10, my dad baptized me. And, and long before I was baptized, my dad and my mom, my family, instilled a love for God in me. I don't know where else it came from. It came from them. And, and a sense of who I am from them. I had a second father who I'm super grateful for. He gave me a name and gave me a chance to live in this country. But that dad I couldn't hug. He was not very huggable. He's the one who told the bad jokes. He gave me a lot of laughs, but I didn't get a lot of hugs from that dad. He wasn't very present. He worked really hard, though, uh, but he was just never available to me personally. So it's very different. These two relationships are very different. And the truth is, you have your own story, all of you, whether you're, you know, whether you're a daughter or a son. And your dad may have been present and loving and perfect in every way. And your dad may have been maybe less than that. But you received something. Maybe your dad took you to church. Maybe he never went to church with you. My first dad was a pastor. My second dad came to church a couple of weeks before his death. Right here. <laughs> but never before. Every one of us has a different story. And our relationship with our fathers tends to impact us. It doesn't matter if we are sons or daughters. And we receive something, either intentionally or unintentionally, and it tends to shape and affect us, research shows. But I think here, in this moment, as, as Moses is telling them, I want to tell you that even though we didn't choose our dads, we can choose the faith 
that we can that we pass on. So that phrase, God of our fathers, maybe it didn't mean exactly what it could have meant in the past, but it can begin to mean something different now so that when our kids and our grandkids utter the phrase, it means something else. That's what, that's what, that's what Moses is doing here. He says to them again, as he said 40 years later, he says, now you're going to go across, you're going to take possession of the land, but what faith will you take across? And so he tells us, and I'm just going to share this with you as men, we have to own up to this responsibility, this great privilege, that we have a great effect on our society. And what I said for service is still true. What the world needs now is godly men, because the world is full of ungodly men. Men who with greed and thirst for power are destroying communities, political systems, uh, men with, with, with violent uh, actions who are destroying communities, taking lives. The, the vast, the overwhelming majority of violent crime is, is committed by, by men. Violent crime, financial crime, it all lands at our feet, guys. So I, I know some people say, well, that, it's my father's fault. But, but here Moses is giving us, them and us, the responsibility to take, the, the choice to take responsibility for our own lives and the direction of our future. So I'm just going to make a call to arms, gentlemen. And, and, and women, ladies, daughters of the house, we can't do this all alone either. I know some people say, well, it's dad's responsibility. But no, no, it, it works together. And yet, as we're trying to, to live out this calling that I'm about to give you, we need you to see the value in that and encourage it forward. So I'm going to give you some, 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 some tips here, okay? So, so Moses says to the people, and I'm saying to you, maybe the past isn't what you hoped, or maybe it was. But now, as you look forward, this is our chance to write a new chapter in the story of faith. What will be the God of your father for our kids, for our grandkids? And so Moses says, so here's what you do. Your purpose is to take possession of the land, become an ambassador. That's what God wants because that's why he's giving you the land. And then he says, so what are you going to do? You're going to keep the decrees. You're going to keep the decrees of God. He says, Remember the things that I've taught you. Keep these decrees. Why? Because it will show wisdom and understanding to the people around you. That's what he says. Other nations will look and they'll say, wow, what a wise and understanding people. So here's the thing, men. I'm going to just be honest with you. Like, real talk here. The vast majority of church activity currently is being done by women in our church community and kind of around, uh, around the country. Because we have taken a back seat. We may have some official leadership in places, but some of us aren't willing to really do the hard work of being held accountable. Here's the problem. The problem I had growing up is that oftentimes my dad was a leader up front, but not a leader behind closed doors. You hear me? Yeah? That's a public persona, but, but the truth of life is somewhat a little bit different. I know it's hard. But we must live a life of integrity that reveals that we have the wisdom of God. So it's not just what we say, it's how we live it. Yes? It's not just what we think we know, it's how it shows up in our everyday experiences. So, so that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep the commandments to reflect the wisdom and understanding and also to reflect the nearness of God when we need him. Men, we need God and it's okay to say so. We're supposed to be, we read this last week in our morning conversation, we're supposed to be the leaders when it comes to prayer. 
Paul says, I want men to pray with all kinds of prayers and holy hands. We're supposed to lead the community in needing God. But instead, our society and our culture has turned us into isolated, self-sufficient, defensive, afraid, and lonely men. And the, the anxiety, the depression, and all the other elements continue to rise as we isolate ourselves. But, but God said, no, no, no. I'll give you this wisdom. You're supposed to live it, and you're supposed to need God and avail yourself of God so that you can reflect what it means to have a good relationship with your dad. And here's how. I'm going to just give you some tips here, okay? Chapter 4, verse 9. Number 1, God says, if, that's, if you're going to do that, if you're going to write a new chapter in the faith of our fathers, number 1, verse 9, chapter 4, only be careful and watch yourself closely. Be careful and watch yourself closely. Here's what I mentioned first service, but I, I want to make sure I clear this point. Men, especially men, we need to be responsible for our own maturity. The work of manhood and adulthood is to define for yourself what it means and to take responsibility for that. You cannot say, that's just how I was raised. That's the whole point here. You cannot simply say, well, this is what my father did, this is what I will do. You have to take ownership for your own actions. Yes, maybe your dad was not good, but you are responsible for what you do and how you father and how you parent. Watch yourself closely. By the way, this applies to the ladies. You know, Moses isn't writing this to dads. He's talking to everyone. I just happening to, to want to talk to dads. But, but this applies to you ladies. <laughs> Y'all got to mature too. Let's just get real with that, right? You can't stay mature forever. <laughs> you got to watch yourself closely. I, I mentioned this in the first service. Self-awareness is critical and key as you're growing. Because you and I all know plenty of people who are full-grown toddlers. Don't look at them right now. Right? They are grown men or grown women, but they continue to behave like children. Petulant, petty, uh, vengeful, spiteful, and then they graduate to passive-aggressive, but they're not mature. And Moses says here, watch yourself closely. Take a good look in the mirror. Observe yourself. Are you, are you trying to live out what you preach? Is there some integrity to your walk? Or are you just simply talking the talk, not walking the walk? Uh, Moses says, watch yourself closely. Be careful. Be careful. And, and the challenge I have for myself and for yourself is that when I look as a dad, let me talk to dads. Moms do it works the same way. When I look at my kids, I say, oh, I want this behavior out of them. I want this behavior out of them. But sometimes I fail to disconnect that the only reason they're doing that behavior is because I'm modeling it. Right? <laughs> A great example of this. You were like, oh, kids, uh, turn off the TV. You guys have watched enough. Right? Oh, you guys are oh, you're spending too much time on the Internet. Well, where's my phone? Where's my phone? So, like, they will not do what, <laughs> what we don't do. <laughs> We have to watch ourselves closely and take responsibility for our own actions. You guys should go exercise while I watch the TV. It doesn't work that way, right? But, but I catch myself doing it. 
I want my kids to, to be social and be there for each other, but then sometimes I'm like, I can't talk to you right now, I'm busy. Watch yourself closely, be aware. Number two, he says here, be, uh, watch yourself closely, be, uh, be careful, and he says, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. And, and I made a note here, um, we are witnesses. The reason you're here today, here at church, is because in some way, shape, or form, God has shown up in your life. If you didn't believe in God, you wouldn't be here. If you didn't have any experience with God, chances are you wouldn't be here. There's very few, like, like Curious the Cat persons. And, you know, some of us maybe will darken the door, see what's going on there. But most of us are here because God, at some point in our lives, showed up and he was present and he did. And, and Moses is saying, don't forget that. You have been witnesses. Don't forget that. Keep it in your memory and bring it back to mind. Isn't it hard, friends, to remember how good God was even last week? Because we're fascinated by what we think is his absence today. It's easy. That's why Moses says, keep it in your mind. Use the power of your mind to remind yourself how good God has been to you in the past. And friends, let's, we just got to do that. You just got to do that. Do you know that <clears throat> you will feel exactly the, uh, in, in direct relationship to what you think about, right? So if you're constantly thinking about your problems, <laughs> that's exactly how you will feel, full of anxiety, full of problems. But if you begin to focus on the good things, uplifting things and the mercy and goodness of God, that's how you will begin to feel, merciful and hopeful. So Moses says, be careful, watch yourself, concentrate and focus on the good. I know it's easier said than done, but it's intentional. That's the key here. It's intentional. It doesn't just happen. You have to practice. You have to practice. If you want your kids to have a positive outlook, you've got to model that. You've got to practice. Next, he says, not only just remember in your mind, but don't let them slip from your heart for as long as you live. And here's what had happened to them. They had the history. They were on the mount. They had the water come from the rock, manna from heaven. But all along the way, even though their minds had the story, their hearts stopped believing. They lost their conviction. Sadly, that whole generation of men suffered this. And maybe you are in danger of that too. Losing your heart's conviction of who God really is. So, Moses says, be self-aware. Remember, don't lose your conviction. You know how? He says right there. Teach these things to your kids and to their kids after them. God gave us children for us to practice, for us to learn to practice and model the Christian life in such a way that it would impact them so it would impact us. The way we teach, the, the faith that we pass along is what actually shapes our character. Because, as Pastor Sam would say, faith is caught, not taught, right? The faith that we practice shapes the next generation, but it also shapes us. So what's the faith of your father? And what will be the faith of your children? Dads, my challenge to you today is that we reconnect to our true purpose. We're supposed to be difference makers. And you know what? We don't have to perpetuate the curse that we have received. We can be uh, uh, what uh, I heard recently at a conference called a metabolizer. We can take, even if it was poison, we can metabolize it and not pass it forward. 
we can be the difference. That's what he's doing right now. He's looking at a new generation of dads, and there's some young dads in our congregation. And, and, and Moses is saying, you can change the future because you do not have to carry the faith of those fathers. You, have, you can rewrite a chapter. And I believe that's true for us, men and women. Just because our church gave us this doesn't mean we have to pass it forward. You know what's fascinating, too, about this? I know that the story is different from people to people, but I find it fascinating that the entire generation, 40 years worth of people, couldn't cross. I struggled with that because I was like, why? I'm sure there's some good dads in there, right? There's some good dads. But the whole generation, because God, the Old Testament is trying to teach them how the community matters. And I think the same is true today. You can't do it by yourself. You cannot be a successful father all on your own. That's why God gave us community. We need each other, and we need the community. We need more voices in our kids' lives than our own. But dads, I want to encourage you because here you are, and you've got the opportunity. You can metabolize the past, and, and if it was good, then choose to pass it forward. But if it was bad, choose to leave it behind. Write a new chapter. Write a new chapter. I'm fully convinced that we can make a difference right here in San Diego, South San Diego, if we commit to doing these simple things. Watch yourself closely. Be self-aware. Keep it in mind. Focus on the good things. Focus on what God has done. Don't lose your conviction. Stay passionate, dads, and teach. Understand that everything that you do is a lesson being passed forward. And if we do that, God will do for us the same he did for them. Give us the chance to take possession of the land he is giving us. Our Father God has great things for us in store. He wants us to, 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 to grow the kinds of people and the kinds of families that impact the world, impact our communities and nations. And we've been given that chance. But I know it's hard. And yet I believe that God is greater and more merciful and more wise. And he's all that we need. He's all that we need. So as we stand to sing our, our closing song, I just want you to, if you're next to a dad, whether, if he's your husband, your whoever, go ahead and put your arm around them. Tell them how grateful you are. And that, more importantly, tell them, I believe in you. I believe in you. The difference that they can make. Let's stand together and praise God. And wherever you go this week, this weekend, wish somebody a happy Father's Day. Give them that look that says, you matter to me. I know you make a difference. And dads, as you leave the sanctuary, there are donuts in the doorway just for dads. Special treat for us to say to you, happy Father's Day. Both future, I mean both present and future dads, okay, all guys. There are donuts at the doorway for dads. Happy Father's Day.